Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to What a Load of Cobblers, original Northampton Town fanzine, reborn in podcast form. I'm Tom Reed, and today I'm joined by a real fan favourite of the Cobblers, midfielder who left nothing on the pitch for Town between 1995 and 2002 and helped the club to two Wembley finals. It's Roy Hunter. Hello, Roy. Hello, Tom. Hello, mate. It's uh, it's good to talk to you. Um, as part of you know the research into these sort of interviews, I look back into your previous career and obviously your really like fruitful career at Cobblers and you had some really good times at Cobblers, didn't you? Yeah, it was um, it was a really good time. Um, with the club obviously nearly going out of existence just before, I think it was maybe a season and a half before I, I sort of got there. Yeah. Um, uh, when I arrived, obviously Ian Atkins was there and uh, he'd got a good group of lads with uh, at the club who were hungry to do well for the club. So uh, we sort of reaped the benefits of that over uh, the next two or three years. Yeah, the, pl- the team then were... Um... I spoke to Gary Thompson and he said that there was a lot of players that were, you know, would stand their ground and that was really key to uh, turning the, the performances around and creating a winning mentality. But um, before we, we talk about the Cobblers um, period, let's talk a bit about your, you know, your upbringing and stuff. I, I always thought, because you were um, part of Ian Atkins' side, you were like from, from Birmingham to start off with and that's completely wrong. And then I thought you were from a bit further northeast, but actually you're from North Yorkshire, aren't you? Yeah, I'm more, I'm more of a Yorkshire lad than I am uh, northeast. Um, I I always used to say I was from Middlesbrough because it was it was the biggest town closest to me. But I mean, I was 20 miles away, so it was um, I'm more uh, towards Whitby um, yeah. than sort of Middlesbrough. I'd bang in the middle, sort of thing, up on the coast. So yeah, um, it was one of them where I always used to say Middlesbrough just because. If I said Whitby, everyone would be like, where's Whitby? Where's that? <laughs> yeah. Especially when I'd moved to Birmingham as well. Yes. Um, did, so, obviously, a, a talented footballer in your adulthood, but as a child, um, pretty talented too. Didn't you play for the county, county set-up and stuff? Yeah, I think if you ask a, a lot of the lads, everyone's played for um, a, a pretty successful Sunday team or Saturday team and and, and moved up into the county Um through the school um and that was i was no different um back in back when i was growing up the county was the place to be really because that's where the scouts would sort of um be and that's where you would get found out if you were if you were looking to progress into football then you needed to play for your county really were there any uh, other people at the time uh, young lads at the time that went on to do well as, as footballers 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with quite a lot. I mean, I mean, our mass mass under team at one stage, I think nine out of the starting eleven all went to pro clubs. But um, I mean, obviously the biggest name would be Jamie Pollock. Um, yeah, who was in the county with me? Uh, Andy Collett, who was a goalkeeper for Middlesbrough and Bristol Rovers. Um, Philip Gilchrist, who who played for many teams: Forest, Borough, West Brom, Leicester, Oxford. Um, I mean, the, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, there's everyone sort of had, had a pretty good career, professional career. Had a few years at it, but. Um, do you think there was something it. in the water up there, or was it? Did you have good coaching? And what do you think it was that made so many people? I think I think when you come you come to the northeast, I, I mean, when you look at it now, I look at the non-league system, and if you look at the the FA Trophy and and the Vars and stuff, like that, there's generally northeast clubs in the final every year, and it's I think. Yeah. It's it is a hotbed of football. It always has been, but I think South Shields th- recently did very well, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, South Shields. Um, I mean, if you, if you look at it, I mean, I was you know, Darlington and that are down there now, but I mean, yeah. there's there's Shield and there's a lot of clubs who have been to the FA, FA Trophy final uh, or FA Vars final, I should say. Um, if you, if you look at the the list years gone by, probably the last ten years, there'd be a North East team in the final every year, and I think one year it was. The, there was two northeast teams in the final, so it's yeah. it's all one of them. I, I don't know if it's they just live for football up here, and it's um, it, it, I mean it's great. I mean if if you watch the kids, if you watch the kids, they're so passionate about it and winning's yeah. everything. And I think it's just a mentality you grew up with up north uh, in the northeast and uh, North Yorkshire. Um, there's so not. How did you end up at uh, West Brom of all clubs? Then uh, obviously a Midlands club. But um, how, explain how you, you ended up there. Yeah, well, I mean, again, when I go, when I look back on uh, when I was when I was a teenager, um, I must have been to 10, 15 clubs on trials. Um, where whereabouts I lived, sort of like. Middlesbrough was the nearest club. Then you were sort of like, if you went up to Sunderland or you, Leeds was Leeds or York were the next couple of clubs. But um, I went all over the country as a kid. Um, so um, ranging, I mean, I ended up all the way down to Southampton at one stage with um, Alan Shearer who was a couple of years above us. But really, um, yeah, uh, Tommy Widrin and uh, what about Neil Letizia, yeah, they're all first year pros when I was fourteen. So they're like four years older than me, but. They used to come and do us. They used to ask them to come and do sessions with us. Yeah. If you know what I mean, as yeah. kids. I mean, you'd go down for a week, two weeks. I'd stay down there for two or three weeks. But um, I mean, I ended up all over the country, um, and it was again just playing for the county. Um, West Brom came in, uh, Blackburn, and um, I mean, because I was I was local at Middlesbrough, they were always keen on me. But um, I ended up at West Brom just through. Brian Robson was my hero, and that's yeah. where he started his career. And I, and I thought, where bet, where's better to start than where the England captain started? So, um, so off I went. So, but Brian Robson wasn't actually there at the time. No, I, I, no, I, no, he'd he'd, he'd he'd gone sort of like um, mid eighties to yeah, about eighty four, eighty five. I think he went to um, to Manchester United. But I mean, growing up. Brian Rob, with him being the England captain, I, I didn't support Man United or anything like that. Um, I supported Leeds as a as a young kid, but Brian Robson was the England captain and he was a midfield yeah. player, and it just yeah. he, for me that was that was the pinnacle. 
he probably had a lot of the qualities that you, you know tried to sort of bring into your game. I think that sort of yeah. Well, well yeah. I think as a kid, as a kid, you want you want That's to play cool. like your favourite player. Do you know what I mean? And and sure. yeah, I mean box to box was was my thing at the time. Yeah. But um, I say as as you get older, you get moulded into a different player, or you try and adjust, and you adjust to the standard of football you're playing. So were you were you a centre mid uh, when you joined West Brom? I think you joined West Brom about '91, just after the World Cup. Yeah, nineteen ninety. Yeah, nineteen ninety. Yeah, I mean, I joined as a centre midfield player, but um, but I soon I had a year in the youth team as a YTS player. Um, I, I had to play centre midfield with Hugo Ekiog, <laughs> which was when you, when you look back, you think Hugo Ekiog played midfield, but he actually yeah. did because he was he was that big and strong. Um, I don't think he grew after he was 16. He was that big at 16, but he was box to box. He could score goals, but he he could play at the back. He could play up front wherever we needed him. If we needed a goal, we'd put him up front. If we needed to defend, we'd put him at the back. But they'd start him always start him off in midfield, and it was me and him yeah. uh, sort of together um, until okay. in, until my second year as a YTS. Then um, all the defenders sort of were that year above so they all left so all the all the defenders were then younger lads and um they, f- they were finding it quite difficult so i ended up uh, dropping back to sweeper um right. just to just to sort of cover the two center halves and i had a year at playing sweeper <laughs> i had a year at playing sweeper which was i quite enjoyed it actually but um it wasn't my chosen That's position and it's it was one of them where i was happy doing it but looking back um, it it probably put me back a year or so be, just because everyone thought I was a defender then. Do you know what I mean? And it was sort of like yeah, and you maybe well, lost out in a, a couple of years of or progression. Yeah, just it's progression. Yeah, yeah. Well, things trade. people start people start looking at you differently then. So um, to change the mind again, you have to have have a, be a bit lucky with injuries or what have you, or with other people or. Um, I felt it quite difficult because we had a lot of managers in my time at West Brom, like first team managers. So uh, I think I had five in five years, and it was it was you pretty difficult. Remember di- the, the names of the difficult. managers? Yeah, Brian Tobbett was there as, at start, but I, I mean he did he didn't really um, what say, he he didn't really because we were the youth team and I was pretty I was sixteen seventeen. He didn't he, he come and watch the games, but he got he got sacked after six months. So then Bobby Gould came in, which was the the bigger one for me, really, because he gave me a professional contract. I'm giving my debut, um, yeah. and he he showed that bit of faith. I mean, he's seen um, the, the sort of tenacity and 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 the bit in me um, yeah. that I need that I needed and showed faith in me. But um, when when he got when he got sacked. Oji Ideal's come in. It was a totally different brand of football. So <laughs> um, it was just it was it was ticky tacky football. Honestly, it was it was it yeah. was great. It was great, but it it didn't sort of help me because because I was at the back. They liked they liked me playing at the back because I was a midfield player playing at the back. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it was it was it, it put me back probably a year. Um, then Keith Burgershaw, who was his uh, assistant when Aussie moved on to Tottenham. He took over yeah. for 18 months and then he was in the mindset. I mean, uh, Keith Berkshire, obviously a legend at Tottenham uh, for what yeah, he won and, and bits and bobs, but he um, he wanted to win football matches and didn't really feel that they were giving the young lads 
oh enough of the young lads a chance and they wanted to they wanted success there and then they needed to uh, yeah. stable and and everything like that um, I mean with yeah. Aussie we won the playoff final so we got promoted but then moving up a league it was a it was a different kettle of fish again which was basically the championship you were you were sort of you you had to you had to swim and you results. couldn't yeah, yeah. And, and and the kids got sort of like, a lot a lot of the lads got overlooked a little bit I felt um, that's the eternal problem with uh, youth development is yeah and I, I see it at cobblers now to an extent I think is that managers are fairly precarious in terms of their you know their role and if they you know get four or five losses on the bounce uh, you're in trouble so sometimes they they'll, they'll they'll stick a 27 year old in rather than a 19 year old yeah i mean is. i mean i know you've interviewed ian atkins recently and he'll be the first one to admit it because he did it on a regular basis it, i mean yeah. it's, it's just a lot of managers feel it's not fair putting the young kids in there when the team is struggling um yeah but then again if Ian Atkins didn't take the chance on me and, and put me. I know I was 21 at the time, but if he didn't, yeah. if he didn't show that faith in me, then I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have probably been the player I was at Northampton for two or three years um, after that. Do you, you know think what I mean? So, do you think um, Ackers was uh, scouting you for West Brom, or maybe his knowledge of the Birmingham scene? He, he found out yeah. about you like that. Yeah, well, well. He, he knew the scene. He knew the Birmingham scene because he'd seen me play. He had seen me play for the reserves, and I mean, I was a regular for the reserve. But again, playing centre half, so I very rarely yeah. played anywhere out the back four when I was in the reserves. And he actually thought I was a centre half when I when I came down. <laughs> he might not admit really? it, but he did say. He did say. I said oh, I could play in midfield. He went, can you? I thought you were centre half, and I was <laughs> like, no. Um, but no, he he seen me. But um, what he did do at Northampton, he got. A, a scouting who was my youth team manager at West Brom, Cyril Lee, who we knew from his Ipswich days. Um, so right. Cyril, I mean, when I come to leave West Bromwich Albion, um, I had a chat with a manager at the time, uh, Alan Buckley, and he said, "You're look, you're a squad player, blah, blah blah." And I was just like, "I've been here five years, and I'm not, I'm not really going anywhere. So I'll take the chance, and I'll, I'll go try my, I'll go try my hand at Northampton." So yep. I spoke to Cyril Lee, who rang me up and said, "Look, come down. Ian Atkins interested." But anyway, the rest is history. After that, uh, it, t- it took I took a while to sort the contract out, but um, I missed the f- I think the first week or so, or two weeks of pre-season. So I was I was a couple of weeks behind. But once once I basically got in there and it's it's seen me play uh, in a Northampton shirt, whether it be a pre-season friendly for the reserves or um, appearances for the first team. I don't think I got a look in really with the first team for probably a month or so when I was there. It was more, it was more with the second team, but um, yeah. it, it was just, I think he was, he was feeling me out and obviously that's, that's well within his rights. And luckily for me, yeah. um, he, the club took a chance and he took a chance. When you first joined and you started getting into the team more and like uh, cementing a place a bit more, who who would you have? Uh, you were in centre mid. Who would you have with you? Was it like someone like Chris Burns or Ian yeah, well, or well, well, no, Burn, well, Burns. He was because he was left footed and he played the left hand side. I mean, Dino. Yeah, it was Dino and Burns. were the two centre midfield players, really. Um, yeah, I think Gripper was there as well. Gareth Williams. He was. He sort was was in there as well. Um, yeah, in and around that, but. Um, it wasn't really till I got my chance. I just, it wasn't until I, we got Ali, we got Alistair Gibb on loan and uh, from Norwich, and it wasn't until he, I think Norwich called him back, that there was a space in midfield, but it was right midfield, and he and 
he he just said, right, Roy, do me do me a job out there, but you can tuck in and get involved in a little bit in the in the midfield. But I want you to keep the shape and and yeah. work hard up and down the up and down that flank. And obviously, I think Dave Norton was the fullback at the time, and yeah. me and Dave got on really well, so we're pretty similar characters. Um, so. And that's how I got in the team, really. It was Ali Gibb going back to Norwich after his loan spell. So um, I think Norwich were playing hardball because, um, you know, obviously, the, the, I don't think they wanted to uh, sell him on or Northampton didn't want to pay the money or whatever it was. So he, so Ali, he went back for a month or two, uh, then come back after that. And it wasn't until Ali come back, I then moved into the middle. Uh, yeah, I think the, got... uh, the... Sorry, the... Um... The money side of things is quite interesting, actually, because when I spoke to Ian Atkins, he was saying that you weren't you weren't on big money at all. That you were happy just no. to, to come down and play. The, you know, you were on you know not a lot of money at all. No, not compared to a lot of the other lads. No, I was. Uh, well, when I come down, I mean, I think I was at the club probably nearly two months before I even got my contract. So I was, I was. Ba- they were basically giving me um, expenses. Uh, it was giving me petrol money coming from Birmingham over, and yeah, I mean, and I, obviously I, I stuck it out because I wanted, I was obviously desperate to be a professional footballer, but I didn't want to drop out of the league, if you know what I mean. So uh, I could have yeah. easily gone back up north and 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 go, but I wasn't what and gone to other clubs, but I wasn't one for ringing round clubs and saying this is me, blah blah. I'd rather yeah. prove myself, and people want you want people to want you, but um, in the same breath. Yeah, you know I mean, if you want to, if you're hungry enough and you, and you want to be a professional footballer, you've got to stick your neck out a little bit as well. So I was prepared just to go that little extra mile. Like I say, I think I was I was playing in the first team, but I, I didn't even got a contract. Um, so I was, um, so I, I mean, when I got in there, they got me a contract till the end of the season, which was great. But I think it was probably just after Christmas. I'd only signed that one probably about four or five months and they were offering me a new one. So um, <laughs> just because obviously I got myself in there and I think there was a couple of clubs that we'd played against who had commented on my performances. And I think the club thought, well, we best um, t- we best hope time, time down. down yeah time down so they offered me a two year contract and um, it just went from there really the first season you were there it was a uh, a period of of transition obviously because Akers had, had come in and uh, you know going back before your time ninety four we finished bottom of the league but we just managed to scrape up because Kidderminster's ground wasn't up to uh, up to standard yeah. but Akers came in you you came in we finished eleventh that season I think five points off the playoffs so I think Atkins probably thought we're not too far off here if I bring in a few players and tinker mm. him a little bit we, we might be able to go on next season was that something you thought of or um, if, if I'm being honest not really no I was I was just I was just happy playing football <laughs> I, I didn't get yeah. I didn't get involved in the politics side of it I was just um, I was happy I was playing um, and we, we we had good good finish the end of the season I can remember I can always remember the Wigan game I think it was the last game of the season. Um, yeah. They were they were in the playoffs at the time, and they needed a point to to secure the playoffs. And they had Ro- yeah. Roberto Martinez playing, and yeah. there was another the Spanish lad playing, and they had such a good team, uh, good sure. footballing team. And we went there and beat them. I think we beat them three, and it would have been. I can't remember what the score was now. I can remember we beat them three one or two one, whatever. Whatever it was, yeah, Jason White scored, yeah. And um, I remember, I can remember the Wigan players. 
all down on the knees at the end of the game. You mean some in tears, and because I missed out on the playoffs, and I was like, I was oblivious to it all. I didn't even know they could get in the playoffs. <laughs> I thought they were already up. Do you know what I mean? I, I wasn't interested. So you in, in it. I wasn't interested in anybody else. No, I was. I was just interested yeah. in us, and I knew we had a good set of lads. And against anybody on our day, we could, we, we we knew we were going to work the opposition, whether it be yeah. physically, we whether it be uh, mentally, physically and mentally anyway, because. To play an Enoch, to play against an Enoch in the team must must have been awful, especially especially yeah. when we were especially when we when we were all at it. Um, the lads knew everyone everyone knew everyone else's job. So if somebody was out of position, somebody the next person knew. So you had cover, and and that's did what he, we did. Did he um, work a lot on shape off the ball and uh, you know like trying to press the ball and stuff like that, trying to the work? Oh god, that. yeah. Oh, god. oh yeah, it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> the lads, I mean, so a lot of the lads, a lot of lads will tell you now. You interview them, they were like, it was, it was the worst ever. But, but what it did do, it educated you, it educated you on exactly on how he wanted to play. But like I said, like I said before, we you had a lot of hungry lads there who were like, yeah, no problem, we'll just get on with it. But I think when you look back, you think, yeah, you, you couldn't get away with that now. But I mean, at the time, it was. It was fa- it was fantastic because we were getting the results out of it. So when you're getting the results, the, the lads will follow you. You know what I mean? And, and so do you reckon maybe if if you know Ian Atkinson was doing it now, some of the younger kids, perhaps a bit more pampered, would think, "Hang on a second, I'm not doing all this." Oh, a bit more. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to, to the back end of my sort of career, you, you can see the attitudes changing. I, I, I think it all comes from though. It's um, it's from the coaching from the youth level. You know, like the kids now. Yeah. They get so much better coaching now. The the expectancy at going into a club is to play football and and uh, yeah. and, have, and have and have that sort of mentality. Where back in, I think it was we were sort of like the back back end of that era of you mean you yeah. can you can go rough them up. Do you know what I mean? You could put tackles yeah. in. I mean, I mean, I, I don't think I'd be able to play. In, Play this day and age because you're not allowed to tackle. <laughs> the one thing I like to do is go right in the ball. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I was fair. I, mean, I, I don't think I only got sent off once, and that wasn't for a, ta- a naughty tackle or anything. It was just uh, an innocuous lad run across me. But um, I think That's I only got the art of tackling is uh, QPR. Uh, has gone down a bit. Mm. because the uh, the pitches are a lot better now, and the the, the pitches are uh, I don't know how to describe it like they're People play on the top of the pitches now, and there's a lot of you know more technique going on. But you don't often see a really well-timed crunching tackle that often anymore. Yeah, it? you just, yeah. You just, you just, the, the ball is outlawed, it mate. So it's um, yeah, it's one of them. It's a shame because there's nothing better than seeing like a good firm tackle. But I think yeah. because everyone's a little leaner and people don't go in as committed. So, but when you look back on it, you did used to get a lot of sort of bad injuries, if you know what I mean. Which you wouldn't really, you wouldn't really. Um, uh, think anything else of it? It's, it's a, if I don't, you, you could see a player running around hobbling for twenty minutes. You, you couldn't see that now. You hobble for two minutes, you're off. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. that's the way of the game now. Um, how would you describe your style for people that are listening? Then perhaps younger and didn't see that time. How, how would you describe your style of play, the Cobblers? My style of play. Uh, the Cobblers. Um, I had to adjust. I know that. Uh, being at West, being at West Brom, um, they like to play football. They like to play the football, especially when Ozzy Adelis was there. You, the, the mentality was keep the ball below head height and yeah. play out from the back. You basically had yeah. four midfield players at the back. 
you know what I mean, playing out and, and going from there and the diamond, the Christmas tree formation as it was. But um, it was, I'd say it was a, a reality check um, a little bit. But as as you, I think what you do do, you have to adjust to the level of the level you're at. Uh, and, yeah. that, and that's no disrespect to the second division, first division, whichever. If you're at the Premier League and you drop into the Championship, you have to adjust your game. And you're in the Championship yeah. and drop down a league, you have to adjust your game. If you drop in two or three leagues, you have to adjust. Non-league football, you have to adjust. It, it's just how it is. Um, I, I, I've probably learned the more disciplined side of football under Ian Atkins. So it made me more aware of uh, everyone else because I was in midfield what I had to cover, uh, what I had to shield, especially the, like the back four, you asked Razor or Samo or anyone who played at the back. We were yep. there was there was only ever two of us in midfield and we had to, we had a lot of leg work to do. Yeah. A lot of a lot of it was covering me and Sean. I think Sean Parrish I played with probably most. Obviously Dean Peer, uh, James Hunt a little bit later on. There's a lot there's a lot of leg work just covering the ball into the forwards feet. When when there's only two years and you're playing uh, against a three sort of, sort of thing, it was it's a lot of ment- it, mentally it was it was draining. But if you had just to be on it, if you had to lead, yeah, well you had to be concentrating all the time. So yeah, um, it was one of them. You did get I like, a I like chance to, think, to uh, ping the ball. Yeah, I like to think I like to think um, I was tough but fair. Um, yeah. horrible to play against um, because. I like I like to think that I I'd work harder than the person I was playing against, and and try and work harder again. So I was probably helping someone else out. So I was doing one and a half man's job or two men's job, and yeah. I sort of put the team first basically. And that was when I spoke to Gaffer. That's that's the sort of vision he had of me. Was basically you're there, yeah. you're helping the team, let other people get the headlines. Blah blah. That sort of thing, yeah. and I'm, I was I was happy doing that. I was happy doing that because yeah. again, think, uh, when you get when you're getting the results, like yeah, when you're getting the results, then everybody's um, happy with it, if you know what I mean. So, and I was no different. So we um, we move into the '96 '97 season, obviously ends in glory, to, uh, you know, at Wembley. But um, I think that was was that the f- about the first full season when you had. The you know the solid back line of Woodman, Frayne, Samo, Warburton, and Clarkson to yeah. to play in front. Yeah, it was yeah it was obviously the Wembley winning season. Um, Clarky yeah. came Clarky came earlier, then um, I think Frayne come. Did Frayne come on loan yeah. first, or they come on loan first, or did he did did we just sign him I think from? He did. Yeah. I think he, he was on loan and we signed him from Birmingham. I think. Yeah, yeah, he came. I think Frayne came within the season, but obviously. With his experience and know how, you know, I mean, he, he slotted straight in. He, he knew he, he knew the gaffer Ian Atkins uh, from years gone by, so he knew exactly what the gaffer wanted. Uh, yeah. He knew, you know, I mean, personality-wise, the type of style of football, and as I say, for any, they were perfect because two good solid pros on either side. I mean, there were wing backs, but wing backs that went to the halfway line and stopped. <laughs> Which is, yeah, which is yeah. a bit, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a joke between us all when we have, we've got a, we've got like a WhatsApp group and uh, we have a chuckle about it every now and again. But yeah, it was one of them. He liked it delivered into certain areas, uh, the gaffer, and then let let the rest of the team get on with it. Um, which again, 
it stood us in good stead because we were solid. Not nobody liked playing against us, like I said before. But uh, with that back four, uh, obviously we with uh, Razor and uh, Samo, then whoever it may have been in between. I mean, Danny O'Shea was the first year. Um, yeah, I mean, we, this, he sort of toyed with it a little bit, but I mean, we had yeah. we had a good solid three centre halves and then two solid fullbacks who were who knew the game inside out, which is which was basically what's was the platform for the rest of the team. Did uh, is it right that you you didn't get your first home goal for eight like ages, and it wasn't until the Mansfield game? Is that right? Because it seemed quite a long way in. <laughs> I could not tell you. <laughs> I couldn't tell you my first <laughs> my first home goal. I can remember my first goal, and it was it was the scruffiest goal you've ever seen away at Cardiff in the LD, LDV Trophy or Auto Windscreens Trophy. Okay. Yeah, ahead of it the near post, and it, it went up in the air. And I, I think everyone was that shocked. I got my head to it. Everyone just, oh, it's flying over, and it somehow just looped in the top corner. And I was like, <laughs> it, it, was, it was in like slow motion. And anyway, from there, but yeah, I couldn't even tell him my first goal. Um, I wasn't. I think there I was a goal against Mansfield at home, and we won three 0 And it might have been a penalty actually. Yeah, you scored, well, but, um, yeah, I got, I got on goals, the penalties. Well, you scored a few goals. Yeah, I got on, well, I did get on the penalties, so that that sort of saved yeah. me. If not, it'd have been one a season. Um, I think I got eight <laughs> one season, eight one season, and seven were penalties. So I was a, I was pretty chuffed. I was pretty chuffed for Jason White missing a couple, so I, I got put on them. But, <laughs> but yeah, so I wasn't. Yeah, long throw come I wasn't been out for Um, I had it as a kid, but. I mean, at West Brom we never used it, so it, it didn't really use it. the youth team a little bit. But once once you get into uh, professional football, I didn't I didn't really use it. But I knew I had it, but they say just never come out. And I think the gaffer just said anyone. I think he just asked anyone got a long throw, and he he picked up, about three of us, put our hands up, and we all just went and took one. He went right right right, Tubby, you can take him because you used to call me Tubby. So. Um, so yeah, I just got I just got on him after that, and it was it was um, it was obviously a weapon in our armory where where we could use it. We could send the centre halves up, and uh, it used to it used to cause quite quite a few problems. Which um, it wasn't the longest long throw, but it was it used to get the six yard box, which was obviously long enough. I did think it was another weapon in the armory, really. Like if he needed to go direct, you could just whack that in there, and it just caused a bit of confusion in the opposition box, really. Yeah, well, well then, once, if you've got so much height, it's it's uh, it's stupid not to use it. I mean, and there was a lot of teams in and around that time, Andy Leg and and people like that who got a long throw and use it to yeah. good effect. Um, so, and at, and at that stand at that standard, if people are if if you if you think there's a weakness in um, in the defence of the opposition and the height wise you're so much bigger and taller and what it just it just works for you i mean we, we we did work a lot on set pieces so it was it was something that was as good as a corner at times yeah you had uh john gale up front as well he was a bit of a man mountain, he was, a, so he was, was a an target former, yeah yeah <laughs> i mean but you could uh, I mean, but sam sam or used to go up and razor used to go up so it was uh yeah i mean you could chuck you always chuck one of the defenders up there with with john or whitey or Coops, who was there, um, and yeah, you know, I mean, they yeah. would cause a, a lot of problems for teams. So it was, uh, it was if you win the first header, anything can happen. I don't think that would have been uh, very nice to defend against those those sort of characters coming up. It would have been pretty difficult. Um, so 
obviously that season began to sort of steamroller a little bit and momentum started getting going and I think a bit of belief started growing. Did, did you think that we would like get promoted or were you still not really sort of that character to look too far ahead? No, I, I was, if I'm being honest, I, I didn't look that far ahead until I, until I was a, a probably late 20s into my 30s and then, yeah. I, then I wasn't really, I wasn't really in my peak or I wasn't playing professional football in my house. When, when I was in my early 20s, it was just, it was just one game at a time and I mean, it, I mean, you hear it so much but um, I think because a lot of us hadn't probably been a regular in a team that's got promoted or won anything. I mean, I think there's only Clarkie and Franey and probably Dean Peer that had been to Wembley and won anything with the um, with the auto windscreens when they were at Birmingham. But um, I think we were just we just believed if we just kept going and just kept going, then you yeah. never know, you never know, sort of thing. And um, and that's just what happened. I think Tomo speaking to Tomo, he because he'd done a lot in his career by then, and he you know he scored in the derby. At, uh, the Blues, uh, yeah, Villa, and Villa, stuff like that. Yeah. He he'd been there and done it, and I think uh, Akers wanted some characters that could keep it uh, calm a little bit as well, and just keep yeah. it like you say, go day by day and calm it down. And then if you get there, so you take take it as it comes, sort of thing. Yeah, you ha- well, you have to. I mean, I mean, I think most managers will say that to you. You need. I mean, you look at Liverpool now. Um, James Mills is that person for Liverpool. Yeah. He's the yeah. he's the calming influence on everybody. Um, yeah. Uh, if you ask any of the other players, and just by him leading by example, and that's what Tomo did. Yeah, I mean, he was he was 33, 34, 35 at the time. Uh, he yeah, he was the old man of the group. But yeah, I mean, you've, you you look up to them people, even if they're not on the pitch, you still look up to them. Um, yeah. And you, you see how they carry themselves uh, in, inside the dressing room, outside the dressing room, on the training pitch, on the pitch itself. Um, they don't have to give it. They don't have to give ninety minutes every week. If Tom will give us 10, 15, 20 minutes on a Saturday, because I knew I knew he played the first year, but the second year I think he, he was more of the assistant manager. But um, you just just in and around the dressing room, you mean he's he's a calming influence on everybody and 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 the top bloke as well. You know, I mean, he's good sense of humour. Um, yeah, yeah. I spoke to him at length, and he was he had some great stories. Um, yeah. Like, about Gailey, one with one priceless one with Carl Heggs, which was oh, a classic. God, yeah, yeah, well, well, it all, all stemmed from the tun- tunnel at Wembley against Swansea, yeah, 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 um, and, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and it was sort of, I mean, I, I group Eggsy was at West Brom with me, um, so I knew Eggsy really, yeah, I knew Eggsy really well, so me and Eggsy shook hands, all right, mate, how are you doing? Well, next, next minute, um. <laughs> Gailey's trying to fling him all over the tunnel at Wembley, and we're like, we're like, what's going on here? We're going out for going out for the playoff finally, lads. Are we? Calm down. But Gailey just went up. Gailey just went past everybody in the tunnel uh, of the Swansea team, and he, he basically gave him that stare. Come anywhere near me, and, and uh, you'll know about it. And I think when he got to Egg, when he got to Eggsy, Eggsy didn't want to know if you know what I mean. So it was good. I've heard from. Uh, Tomo, Chris, Chris Freestone, people like that. That um, Cobbers used to often win games in the tunnel. And uh, yeah. I was reading about. Um, do you know the, the Car- Cardiff semi-final? I semi-final. Think it was, yeah, uh, yeah. Before we got to Wem- uh, Wembley, and, and Sean Parry scored that goal. Yeah. I think they were saying in the tunnel that the, the Car- I, I think it was a guy called Perry, Jason Perry from Cardiff, was saying that mm. he wasn't. 
he wasn't sure in that semi-final if his team fancied it that much. Do you remember mm. that semi-final? We went out on, I think it was a Sunday. and uh, Yeah, right. I remember it well, mate. Yeah. yeah, I played, mate, yeah. Can you got any memories of it? Because um, I yeah. think yeah, this Cooper got sent off, didn't he? Quite yeah, Coop's got sent off, yeah, for elbowing the lad on a, on a throw-in. Um, it was, I mean, the, the day itself, it was fantastic. Um, it was it's the biggest occasion... I've, I've definitely played in up to that point. Um, yeah. Packed in Indian Park. Um, yeah. Two or three thousand Cobblers fans come down um, singing their hearts out. And it was it, it it had everything. Do you know what I mean? It was one of them where we, we knew we were going to be up against it a little bit. We obviously with the the Ninian Park pitch got a bit of a slope on it. so um, And it yeah. was a big wide pitch so it suited the way they oh, wanted yeah. to play football. Um, but again... We went into that game believing if 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 they don't score after 15, 20 minutes, they'll get frustrated. We we, we were the kings of frustrating teams, and yeah. and and whether it be snarling in people's faces, just just nicking balls, tackling, uh, play just playing our own way, and. Yeah, and yeah. We basically was was the Ian Atkins. It was a bit like the crazy gang, a little bit, if you know what I mean. But um, they yeah. had a, they had a lot of what they thought were uh, footballers, but not um, roll the sleeves up and you've got to you've got to dig in. It's over two legs type of thing. And we knew um, if, if you listen to sort of like a Mourinho type of thing, you don't have to win it in the first leg. You can win it in the second leg. Uh, we knew yeah. if we if we didn't get beat or within a goal, we knew at home we could dominate a team because at home I thought we were we were great that season and um, we really put teams under pressure and we knew yeah. we could but obviously coming away with a 1-0 uh, victory was icing on the cake really because um, if you asked Ian Atkins before that he'd, he'd have turned around to 0-0 I'd love a 0-0 or, or a 1-1 because yeah. I think away goals might have counted back then at that time so, I think they did yeah so I mean the one. I was in the away in that day. Yeah. I was in the away end, and uh, yeah. it was it was very tense for like a couple of yeah. obviously the occasion. Yeah. The, the Cardiff fans were just very partisan, and uh, yeah, you yeah. know they were they were bang up for it because they wanted to play Swansea in the final, so they wanted to win this game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the sending off happened, and you know it's just one of those moments in football where you know Sean Parrish broke no. through, and yeah. don't matter if he hit it or not. And I've heard the story yeah. hundred times for a bit as well on, on Twitter, yeah. but it was just one of those moments where. The ball just flew over the, the goalie's end. It was just brilliant. Everyone went crazy anyway, and it was um, it was raining. I think that day as well. I got soaked, but it was, it was a great occasion. Yeah, I bet Sean Parrish never told you I run back thirty yards to make the tackle so he could run forward and, and put it in the top corner. And either would he? Okay. No, yeah, he, won't, he, won't, he, won't, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have told you that. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't <laughs> want to take the. He wouldn't. He take some of the limelight off himself. But, but yeah, no. I mean, I always, I always pull your leg back. He wouldn't have scored that goal. It won't for me running back thirty yards and making that tackle. <laughs> Oh, that's an interesting point. For every but, wonder goal, there's probably someone who's run back and done oh, a tackle. Oh, man, honestly, honestly, yeah. yeah. Every goal he scored, I think I must have, I must have done about four doggies for him first. Do you know what I mean? But, but it was good. And then no, you're, was... Right about, you're right about the um, the second leg and Cobblers being a force to be reckoned with at home at Sixfield yeah. because the younger people listening probably... Uh, the atmosphere is no, nowhere near as good as it was in those days. And in those days, yeah. the, the fans were the 12th man, and it was we could get six fields rocking. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, was yeah, like, we had a couple of seasons there where the, I mean, the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic. Uh, but I think it was because it was like a new, 
the, the cobblers fans had, had the belief again, so it was it, yeah. you could it, yeah. you could sense that. And I mean, you could see yeah. people bringing bringing the whole families and all a lot of young kids. Uh, yeah, and it's a new crop of supporters, and you could just yeah. you could you could just sense it that um, with the new ground. I think the new ground had a, had a lot to do with it. If I'm being honest, because yeah, it did. Um, because it was somewhere nice to go, and you it was all seated, so you could take your family, and so it it probably boosted the crowd up. I don't know what the crowds were at the county ground, but it probably boosted the crowds up to. I mean, a couple of thousand, yeah, a couple of thousand at least. Yeah, you know I mean, I mean, we're getting six and a half thousand at least. Yeah, you know I mean, so it was. Yeah. I mean, it, there was there was good good atmosphere. Even if it was the worst game in the world, um, a, a nil nil or a one nil, there was always yeah. a, there was always atmosphere. Once we got halfway over the halfway line, you could you could you could feel the crowd, you know, willingness to to go forward and uh, and get that goal. Were you living in Northampton at that point, or where were where um, you living? Yeah, the first year I, I, I was in the car school with the with the Birmingham lads. That's where you've got my Birmingham roots from. But uh, yeah, yeah. there was me, Jason Beckford, uh, Tom Orr, Dean Peer uh, in the car school uh, at, at first, and obviously Clarky signed, then Franey signed, and the cars just weren't big enough. So I could see myself getting pushed out. So I thought, well, I might as well just move over to Northampton. So I moved in. Me and Mickey Warner moved in together, um, and I think Billy Turley and Christian Lee moved in a, a flat opposite us, and we we lived down in uh, 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 down near the um, rugby ground, down down okay. that sort of that neck of the woods, down near the train station. So. I know, um, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were down there, mate. There was uh, we lived there for a year. Um, well, obviously the for the sort of like the first year there and then uh i lived in northampton for about nine years from that from that point onwards um moving up to grange park when they built grange park so um yeah which was, well, which was nice. um, not every not every uh player does actually move especially these days a lot of players will commute quite a long way so it's nice that you you bedded yourself into the local community, and I think that's always yeah, a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of good friends in Northampton, and I mean, I was down, I was down in was it February for for a friend's fortieth just before. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually booked into the abyss, and then the roof fell in, so I was like, oh right. <laughs> oh, is so, that when the wind was? Yeah, really with, the wind, with the wind blew the roof off. I was like, oh, yeah, right. yeah, it did. So, yeah. so we had to we went over to the is it the parking. Used to be the old motor yeah. house. Yeah, went over there. Yeah. There was a rugby team in there, so the, the Saints must have been at home on the Sunday. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, but I've got a, a lot of good friends in Northampton still, and who I keep in touch with, and um, and speak to regularly, think, and, uh, and try and get down. I think if if a player lives in the community or in Northampton or wherever, it's harder to escape after the game and forget about it. If you live in London or something or Birmingham, you can you can almost drive away and just sort of get out of it. But if you're in Northampton, and people will probably stop you and give you a bit of jip if you play badly or whatever. I think that's yeah. quite important. Yeah, I've, I've, to be honest, I, I thought I was quite lucky, really. I mean, a lot of uh, the well, all the supporters, I, I never really got any 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 that that side of it. Supporters, uh, I mean, if if we if we hadn't played so well, they'd come and talk football, and that that'd be. I mean. I, I used to drink up in Kingsthorpe at the White Hills pub, um, yeah. and you just get quite a few Cobblers fans in there. And yeah, I mean, the majority of them leave yourself to leave you alone. But um, the ones that did come and speak to me, I've become very good friends with a lot of them, um, and oh, I, I still am now. So 
It's uh, so. Um, I was quite lucky in that, in that respect. Yeah. So um, obviously we beat uh, Cardiff in the second leg quite convincingly. They, you know, they put up a bit of a fight, but we managed to beat them. Then, then Wembley happened, which seemed to be Cobbler's second home at that time. The first mm. Wembley, Wembley '97. Um, you know, was it one of those games where just another game and you just took it, took it in your stride and just hope, you know, hope to hope to get a win. No, I think once you got in the, once we once we made the playoffs, um, then you know, obviously the Cardiff the two Cardiff games were they were yeah. they were just another game um, up to the up to the point of us getting in the playoffs. We was, we were just trying to get in the playoffs. Um, yeah. But once we did, um, then you knew it, be, it was becoming serious. And uh, I'd been in the playoffs before we West Brom, and we actually beat Swansea in the semi final, and then. Port Vale in the final, but I didn't. I didn't actually play in the games, but you were still involved in it because you were training with the lads every day. But um, yeah, so you knew you knew what was at stake then. Um, but as I say once you got past the past Cardiff over over the two legs, um, we we celebrated like we'd won the final already on that Wednesday night after the game. But <laughs> um, I think everybody in the town did. But as I say, the the week leading up to the ten days leading up to that point to the final. Uh, you could tell it, it was just getting bigger and bigger. You, you couldn't help but notice because of the support we got, the fantastic support from the supporters. The queue, the, I mean, we used to get changed at the ground, and you could see the queues all the way up past McDonald's up to the up to the roundabout, just queuing up for uh, supporters queuing up for tickets. I so you knew. That. I think I was in that queue, Roy. I, thought, yeah. I think we're. I think we're in. The, we queued up for my memories. Not the great, but. Two, two, three hours to get a ticket for that game. Yeah, yeah. It was exciting going to Wembley with Cobblers. It's like brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, once you once you seen that level of support, you you knew it just wasn't another game. Do you know what I mean? It was, um, it was, it was as exciting for us, if not more, um, than what it was for the supporters. But that the week leading up, we had a really good training week. Um, we trained on the pitch every day, and we had we had a really good week at, at training. Um, we we did. We'd, we felt like we'd done everything right. We couldn't do any more. Uh, we knew we were going to be up against a, a good footballing team, uh, yeah. a contrasted styles, which we obviously knew about. But we had beat big teams running up to getting in the playoffs. I mean, I can remember going to Fulham when they'd won the league, and um, they had the balloons out. The, I think they'd, they'd won the league the week before, so they're having a party at home at Craven Cottage. Yeah. And we went and spoiled the party and won 1-0. And I mean, the whole stadium was... We, I mean, Jason White scored, and I think we just defended for 90, 89 minutes. It was the hardest game I've ever played in, but we knew we could spoil the party. Uh, we knew we yeah. could... Quite we, knew we, we, we knew we had, a, we had a game. We had a game plan. We knew what our strengths were. We knew what their strengths were. And if we, if everyone stood up to what we were up against, then we had a good chance. And luckily, um, Franey, Franey stepped up and saved us going into extra time because I think that would have been um, pretty difficult for us going into extra time. It's a um, hot day. I think it was probably, but I didn't realise. I thought Wembley had been the nicest pitch I've ever played on. It was the flattest, but it was rock hard, and it it it, it was. It was taking a lot out of the lads, even even the Swansea players. You could see it's, it's quite a it was a very draining pitch, yeah. if you know what I mean. It was yeah. very flat, but it was it was it was quite firm, uh, mm. even though they watered it. So it was 
just so, so thankful for Fernandinho. Yeah, yeah well, um, I mean, we we're, were quite lucky because we were quite lucky in that respect. I heard uh, a little a little rumor that you uh, you were sort of lined up to take the free kick if it was in a different position, so you could have. Could have... Well, Could have been you on it. Well, what, well, what it was, <laughs> we, well, I, 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 I took the long throw and we'd got the free kick off the off the throw. Kusili got sort of dived for this free for the free kick. I mean, I don't think the lad actually touched it when Kusili went over. So we're lucky, but it was bang centre of the goal, and me and Franey were yeah. always on the set pieces. So whether it be wide or there, and we'd, so it was up to me and Franey. So we we were stood there and I was like, oh, I really fancy this Franey, and he was like, yeah, just let me have a look. Anyway, it was bang centre. Anyway, he went, no, I think I, I should take it. So he pulled rank on me, really. So I'm like, right, all right, for any, you're the old man. You take it, mate, no problem. <laughs> um, anyway, obviously, it got retaken. But then what for what he did, he, he used all that knowledge and took it um, about five or six yards to the to the right. So he, he opened the whole goal up. So yeah. if you actually see it, if any if anyone actually watches it again, he actually moves it five yards, so it suited his left foot. And I was yeah. like, I was going, oh, I still fancy it for him. He was like, no, it's definitely me now. I've moved the ball. Look, I went, all right, fair enough, mate. So we just stood there. And obviously, when it went in, it was just. I think I jumped on him straight. He couldn't even run off because I just yeah. I just pounced on him straight away, and it was. <laughs> uh, then we just got mobbed. Um, but no, I don't think we had the energy to run off me or Franey anyway. If I'm being honest with you. What was the feeling like to, to win like that? It must have been pretty sweet. Cause I remember in the oh. stands and it was amazing for us. Oh man, honestly, it was. Uh, it's the best way to win, especially at Wembley, because yeah. you know you've got you've only got a minute or two to see it out and. Then yeah. obviously you're promoted, you've won at Wembley, but I mean if it'd been after a minute, I, I think it, it could have been a different story. Do you know what I mean? I think Swansea have had to come up with something different, but uh, with it being nil nil, it suited us because they thought they were doing all right. They thought they were on top. Yeah. Um, I mean I was I'm, I was good friends with obviously Exy, uh, Kwame Amfadu, um, who was at West Brom with me as well. Um, yeah. It was in midfield up against me. Um, they felt in, they said afterwards they felt in control, but not they weren't creating anything. And we were thought, well, we thought we were in control and never created anything. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> because you weren't creating. Anything. I think we had a couple of sticky moments first half, but apart from that, it was it was sort of like I don't think Woody had a he had one good serve first half, and after that, I don't think he had a vast to do bar shots going over and wide. Yeah, it's always going to be nervy and. Um... There wasn't a lot in it, but when that goal went in, um, I said um, to Tomo and you know a couple of others I've spoken to that it, it let, out, uh, let out a lot of the hurt that the cobblers had been through previously, oh. and it just let out a lot of frustration and stuff. It was just a real, a real emotional moment, really, to be fair. And then everyone just got went out and got drunk and stuff. So <laughs> yeah, well, I, was, I mean, I, I think it's the same for the players as well, because like I said, we've had we had a lot of lads who had been at good football clubs and not and not quite um, being able to sustain it. So obviously all ended up at Northampton yeah. Town Football Club, which was, which was great for us. Um, but it, I think it was like a bit of, a bit of, bit of sweet really. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was sort of like, oh, we've done something now. You know what I mean? I've, I've won something. I've, I've got promoted. I've won at Wembley. Do you know what I mean? And it sort of give a lot of belief to a lot of lads. Um, and we carried that on into the next season as well. So obviously getting to Wembley again. Obviously winning at Wembley was a massive high, and mm. um, we could probably talk all, all, all day about you know all the celebrations in the market square and stuff like yeah. that. But 
the next season for you. You seem to you started pretty you started well again, didn't you? And then unfortunately you had that injury, and you know that season must have been clouded by the injury you had. I started the um, season really well. Um, the, f- yeah. the first six months, um, really enjoying it. Felt really fit. Felt like I could play against anybody and uh, and give every, anyone a run for the money. Uh, who I was up against, uh, feared nobody. That that type of attitude and yeah, uh, not not arrogance, but just you mean I, I wasn't I, I was I was never one for if it was if it was a uh, England international I was playing against I wasn't bothered. I just wanted to play. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was yeah. like I, I I had massive respect for him, but then wasn't bothered if I upset him. You know I was you know what I mean? And then yeah. and then the first six months was was great. Um, I went through a bit of a, a tough patch because my mum was diagnosed with cancer. So from I think we played South End away, and I got I had to ring uh, home from South End and find out my mum was in hospital and being diagnosed with uh, terminally ill cancer. So I had, a, I had a tough time off the pitch, but on the pitch it was a release for me and. Yeah. Um, it was a way of putting that to one side, and because my mum was back yeah. up in uh, back up in the north, um, she w- I wasn't there, so I was obviously sp- speaking to her and my sisters over the phone. But um, yeah. so so football was really it was it was it was a godsend really, and I, I yeah. couldn't wait to get on the pitch to to do that and um, and say just play football. But I mean, I lost my mum in the December. But obviously oh. we're still playing, and and well, I can remember we played Burnley away, and I'd been at home, I think for a full week, and I just turned, yeah. and I, I wasn't expecting to play. And the gaffer went, "You're starting." I went, "All right," and I played, and I just, my mum had just sort of passed, and I had yeah. nothing left. I had nothing left then. Do you know what I mean? I, and I, I yeah. think that's probably the worst game in the cob- yeah. probably the worst game in the cobbler's shirt. But yeah, um, it was. It was one of them where uh, you just had to, well, we just had the funeral, I should say. Um, and it was just one of them where it just took everything out of me. Um, my oh, mum actually course. passed away um, the the morning of the Basingstoke game in the FA Cup, which was on, yeah, on Sky. Went, yeah, yeah, I got the phone call in the morning and um, my dad said, look, I'll come down for you. I'll come pick you up. I said, look, I'm going to go play the game first and then I'll, then I'll come home afterwards. Anyway, I yeah. obviously played the game. I actually got man of the match, and I've got a bottle of champagne still. Oh, and right. I, I'll just keep that in the cupboard, just because it was, it was the day my mum passed as well. So it was, which was yeah. Good. But yeah. getting on, getting past that, it was obviously there was a lot of interest coming through. Um, that Wimbledon were interested, and other clubs. And the, yeah. the the club did quite well really because they kept it away from me really. Um, right. I mean, I wasn't. If it happened, it happened. If it didn't, it didn't. I was. I'm. I'm sort of one of them in life in general. And um, we played Leicester away in the cup in the cup. And then after the Leicester game, Martin O'Neill said he was interested. And I was right. like, Oh God! Oh God! Um, it's getting, it's yeah. getting serious now. Lo and behold, two weeks later. Um, I get my knee injury and everything falls through. So it's just that was yeah. that was up to that part of the season. But the team was obviously doing really well. So um, 
Yeah, you've always been a there. team player, but that, must, yeah. that you know that's that's a you know you got uh, I think you did your ACL and did you say your meniscus as well? It's quite a bad. Yeah, one, I, I, didn't, I didn't. Yeah, it was at Wigan. Um, obviously, it was. It wasn't a bad tackle. It was just innocuous. You know, yeah. my knee twisted while well, the lad had stood on my foot, and it was my ACL had ruptured, and obviously both sides of my meniscus, which was which is what the issue is. Well, I still have a bit of trouble now, but it's more because I've got hardly any cartilage left in my knee. It's from that one incident. Um, yeah. That's what caused me my problems on and off for the next couple of years. Really, it wasn't it wasn't my cruciate, It was my cartilage because it gives you an imbalance, and I was getting different injuries because of that. The imbalance, yeah. yeah. Uh, you said that um, you went to a really good specialist, sir, and. Uh, one that Michael Owen used as well when he had a similar Yeah, Robbie Fowler, yeah. It was Robbie Fowler. Sorry, yeah. was, Robbie Fowler, yeah. Yeah, well, well, yeah, it was down in Joy, which got, I mean, the, I got the injury on the Saturday and I had the operation on the Wednesday. So I, I was in within four or five days um, yeah. and had it done, got it sorted, got myself out and lo and behold, <laughs> Robbie Fowler was there two weeks later when I was on my two-week checkup. Robbie Fowler was sat upstairs Waiting to get his done. Yeah. He's done it on the Monday night football against Everton. So, um, but he managed to come back. After it, but he only had his ACL done and not the cartilage damage, which was it. Obviously, it worked out better for him. It's it was just again injuries are one of them things. Part and parcel of football. Um, you yeah. can curse your luck, but you look at it and think, well, I, I still had a career in football, so um, yeah, I'm it's still, one, I'm obviously still a really it. difficult time. But um, you. Um... You you always been a, re- a really strong team player, and you were there at Wembley when the, the second uh, playoff against um, uh, Grimsby, weren't you? Uh, yeah. I was doing the summarising on the radio that day uh, at Bristol, uh, Bristol Rovers, and obviously yeah. I did it again for the home game. I did it again for obviously Radio Northampton uh, summarising yeah. again. Then I did it again for the Wembley games, and but the, I mean the home game. If Ian Clarkson scores a goal. Cobblers deserve to deserve to win that game, and with Clarkie scoring, <laughs> yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't think he can believe it uh, himself still, but <laughs> it's. Um, I mean, the, the occasion that night again, it was, it was. I mean, it was it, it, as good, if yeah. not better, than the Cardiff the Cardiff home game. Then yeah, obviously yeah, you get the Wembley final, which was fantastic to get the Wembley again. It was great for the club financially, um, brilliant because yeah. it it sort of like it stood the 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 club in really good stead then um, I mean they had no debts left after that and you know, I mean yeah. sort of one of them you think the club was going to push on um, obviously we didn't win the was, final which was, was a Paris bit of sweet was but... by that point as well was that was no, Paris he, injured by that point? no he played in somewhere? Um, in the final I can't remember I can't remember if I'm being brutally honest um, but I just think that um, I was speaking to Ackers and he, he he's actually said it himself and Chris Freestone said it who played in that game he said it was another tight game. Chris Freestone never really got a chance to score. And no. uh, Atkins said that maybe they were missing a game changer, and he should, maybe Dazel might have made a, made a difference. But it's yeah. one of those things just on the day. Yeah, I think I think you'd I think if you're going to be if you're going to be expansive, you need game changers. I think if you're going to yeah. be tight, you need it. You need a solid team. And do, I mean, we're yeah. a solid team. It was it was probably pretty much um, like the Swansea game, but obviously. It was one nil the wrong way. Um, it was just, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, the result went the other way this time. And I think you've got to sometimes you just got to take down the chin and say, look, you know what I mean, 
we did this last year, fantastic. We've done this this year, fantastic. Just wasn't our idea. But it's then yep. learning, learning from it and, and kicking on from there. And the next season, uh, when were you back from your injury? Because you played the West Ham League Cup game. Yeah, I didn't so, know that. Yeah, what, what happened was um, I played my six, I was six at the Wembley, at the Wembley playoff against Grimsby. I, I did the warm up, just had a run around the pitch. Uh, the gaffer yeah. wanted me to go out and, and just get in, like, just get to the atmosphere and what have you, because I was back yeah. running on my own. So um, I, I think I was about four months in from my operation. So I come back yeah. through the pre season. I think I played my first reserve game after six months. Um, which was really quick for what it was. And my first first team game after seven months, I played Blackpool away. That was my first game. I played about an hour. Um, It was the famous back heel goal from the Blackpool player, which was, it was, it it was like the start of uh, the Sky Sports uh, goal. It was on there and I was thinking, oh my God. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, the West Ham game, I, I I played something like seven games in three and a half weeks. I think we played a Saturday, then I played away at Gillingham, which I, sco- I can remember scoring because it was—I think it was probably my best goal for the Cobblers uh, away at Gillingham on the Tuesday. Um, then we had three or four of the games with the West Ham game in between that. But the second West yeah. Ham game is when my—I think he, Ian Wright—he sort of kicked me on the back of my bad knee while I was marking him on the corner at Upton Park and it split my cartilage again. Yeah, and it was, he was, was one of them. He, he knew, I think I'd upset him in the first game so he was getting his own back but, but it, it oh, split really? my cartilage, it split my cartilage and I had to, obviously had to come off from him. We won the, get, we won the other two legs, we won, we beat him but, um, again, that's, it went, I, I lasted up to then, then obviously I, I needed uh, surgery again, and it, as I say, it was my cartilage that was letting me down, not my cruciate, if you know what I mean. So it was, it was like yeah. a, up to that point. Knock on. But um, in that first West Ham game, you uh, obviously we beat uh, West Ham yeah. at six. Yeah. I think yeah. Yeah, I could see Freestone got both goals, but yeah. you set up, you set up the second, second, didn't one. you? Yeah, the second yeah, one. Yeah. The first one was a long throw, and then that got repelled, and then it came back to you, and you just said yeah. to yourself, put a really good right, uh, right yeah. cross in, and Freestone yeah, flicked did, it in. Yeah. It was a good goal, that. We were sort of holding our run, and we were doing pretty well against them for a team that had beat Liverpool 3 0 on the Saturday. So. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, the, the second goal was, yeah, it was a long throw and he come back out. I think it fell to Samo and Samo just rolled it back out to me and I, I just took a touch and just thought, against that sort of opposition, you need to, if you watch all the top teams, everything's whipped with pace and it's in on goal yeah. and it's any little nicker that had gone in. But, um, I mean, uh, Chris, I think he rose like a salmon, if I'm being honest with you. He was about level with a crossbar when he edited it and it was it was <laughs> it was a really good finish. Um so, yeah, I mean, did you practice those sort of crosses or was it No, when it comes off no I practiced the long throws, but I didn't practice the crosses. No, I was I mean I used to take the free kicks, wide free kicks in swinging ones and Franny used to do the other side, so and I was on corners, so it was it was basically a similar technique. It was just it was just trying to hit it as flat as you can and and with pace and curling in on goal, because if it nicks off anybody a defender, it could still it could still go in the top corner or it could still be on target. So it's got a chance of causing the utmost chaos. So uh, that's what we just used to try and do is cause chaos basically in the um, in the opposition uh, box. But uh, I guess it, it came off the sweet spot that one, and um, 
and luckily enough, Chris was uh, Chris was there to uh, nod it in. It's a shame that you got the injury because you, you missed out being um, knocked about by um, David Ginola like the rest of them did in the next game. Yeah, yeah. Chris well, Pickstone said he couldn't get near him. He was like a monster. No, uh, well, he, yeah, it was one of them. He, he used to, he used to suck, suck um, defenders and midfield players into a, a false yeah. sense of security where you, you think you've got him the next minute he's gone. That season, um, that season was strange because obviously there was the you know the league cup little mm. run and that was really good mm. there's quite a good team there and then it just seems mm. to sort of unravel slowly slowly there were things going wrong injuries i think yeah. doug Hodge had an injury to his neck yeah he um, got his neck, yeah got relegated i think the end of that season yeah he got relegated mate yeah it's it's generally the case i mean if if you look at a lot of teams who've been to a playoff final and i mean i mean the club did it over two did it twice but um mm. the, the one that doesn't generally do well then you mean generous to find it pretty sticky this season after but um i think when you when you're such a i mean northampton is it's 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 a, it's a small club when you're playing against teams of manchester city's ilk and, and teams like that um if you get two or three injuries or th- to key players that sh- that could be your season over uh, yeah. this is where a lot of teams tend to fall by the wayside is they put all their eggs in well not all in one basket but the squads are uh, too thin and I think with, uh, with I think what Northampton did they, they might have trimmed the squad down a little bit but try to get the better player a couple of better players in and they just never had the strength in depth to overcome it and if you try and go get a loan player you don't know if it's going to work, or you don't know if he's going to. It's going to suit your style of football, or is the right person available? It's sort of balancing it. Where I think because we, we we sort of suffered because we've gone up, we thought we had to be a little bit more expansive, and it never really should have really. Maybe he's just stuck to our guns and just said, look, it got us to the playoff final last year. Stick to our guns. Try and yeah. do exactly the same again, but you know, but still be that solid team and still. But obviously, try and try and maintain what you were, where you finished the season before. But I mean, I think we, yeah. you will, like I say, you will find that a lot of teams, the size of Northampton, like Northampton, Walsall, teams like that, yeah, they will have a really good season, and they might have a couple of good seasons. Then they will have a a poor season. It's just you've just got to scrape by and and see out, then go again if that's the case. But how would, I think how I think with the injuries, it didn't help us. Yeah, how would you? Obviously, uh, Atkins ends up getting sacked, uh, replaced by Kevin Wilson. How would you? How would you sort of sum up what happened? Maybe you've got a bit of dressing room insight in the last, you know, few months or you know, of Atkins' reign. What what went wrong? Would you say? I think, like, I think I've maybe touched on it um, at the start of the interview. If you are playing a certain way and you're not getting yeah. the results. Then and yep. people start losing the belief in it. Then I think that's when you you sort of hit problems. Um, and I think that's what the gaffer did um, with injuries as well. Um, I, I, I think when he got sacked, I was injured at the time. Uh, there might have been a couple of other lads. There will have been a couple of other lads as well. So he needed to hit the ground running the start of the season, and it wasn't the case. Um, so all the good work that he'd done in the previous couple of years couple of injuries not quite get the right player in that he needed 
maybe it's trying to be too expansive because being relegated it need to hit the ground running did he change his tactics slightly uh, with, with me being injured I wasn't in the dressing room on match days really so I couldn't I couldn't really tell you what he was uh, trying to get out of the lads but he was yeah. I think that's where he suffered mate if 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 once you play a certain way you've got to to get the lads trust it's got to work and he, mm. that's what he had his first three years um, just I think just with the relegation, you, you might go away in the summer and lose a little bit of belief in what you're doing or what the team's doing, and and look back at it. Then when you come back, it's it's the same again. You're going round, the, you're going round the same things again, and people getting. I wouldn't say they were getting complacent because I don't think they were, but I just if the ball doesn't bounce right for you, that's what you need. Do you know what I mean? You need. Yeah. You do need that little bit of luck, and I just. I just thought he'd look and run out at the end, which was a massive shame because he may not, I mean, I love the gaffer. Um, but it, I just How think, did it feel when you were sacked? Like, yeah, uh, obviously, it's such a big, yeah, big club. Was it a strange, strange thing? Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, for someone who's took the club so far, um, it was, I think, everybody, everybody was gutted. Could see it coming, maybe, but was gutted at the same time because we just knew it was sort of end of an era uh, and yeah. you're not knowing what's coming next. I mean, obviously Kevin Wilson took over, so it, it, we knew the person taking over, but we, you still don't know what's coming. But it's, I think it's a lot of disappointment, what, what, um, especially with our lads. I know for a fact we were all gutted because it hadn't worked and we knew it had previously. Why hadn't it? So you, you then feel like I wasn't doing enough or questioning we or we yourself. weren't doing enough. Yeah, I think the lads I think everyone questions herself when a manager gets sacked. Um I, I did. I did when uh the gaffer did even though I was injured. Uh I did when Kevin Wilson um got the sack. Uh, you you have to because if you don't then you must think it's acceptable losing games because a manager only gets sacked because he's losing games. You must think yeah. it's acceptable losing games and you're not doing anything wrong. Every everyone's accountable, really, and it's the manager that usually gets gets the um, sack and not the players. But um, I mean, you, you'll have heard this plenty of times on the telly and, and probably in, in your interviews that everyone's accountable for it. So everyone's got all their yeah. hands. Everyone's got all their hands up and say, look, yeah, we we should have done better. We could have done better. Um, yeah, that's good of you to say so. I think that's quite indicative of your uh, your team sort of effort, your work ethic. I guess um, there was some uh, when Atkins went. There was uh, some pretty good times. You you got promoted under uh, Kevin Wilson. Yeah, we got yeah got promoted under Kevin. I can remember being down at Torquay when we got promoted that day. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a decent, he had a decent season. <laughs> Again, I was in and out obviously with the with an injury, but I played. Um, quite a few games when I come back in I think September I come back sort of September time and played quite a few games till after Christmas then uh, lo and behold I think, I think what what I used to do once uh, my, my knee sort of um, give way again so I, I had to have it looked at and um, had it uh, uh, stitched back up uh, trying to save uh, sort of the cartilage but it was a good season again. Um, what, what Kevin brought, he, 
he brought a different, a slightly different style of football. Um, it was, I mean, it was more forward thinking, more attack minded. Um, yeah. And it was, I mean, I think it was just what the, probably the lads needed just to, because they knew the manager, so and they knew what his his career, where he'd been in his career, and the and the sort of football and international footballer. So they bought into the bought into Kev, and um, I mean it, it sort of lifted the place uh, for the, a certain length of time, and um, it's just what the club needed at the time as well. So um, was there the, Marco Gabbiadini there at that time? Because he was. Uh, yeah, Gabs, I... yeah, yeah, Gabs. Well, Gabs came. He was he signed a three-year contract. Gabs. Um, he was there for two, so he would have done. Yeah, He'd, um, Kevin must have signed uh, Marco, if my memory serves me correct. Um, but what, what was we... he like? Because obviously he had a lot of. Yeah. He was a bit. Uh, is, it, was he, is he from uh, your neck of the woods? Not too yeah, far away. Anyway, yeah, he's, so. he's from he's from York. He lives in York at the minute. When Sean Parrish left, uh, who was my roommate on the way games, uh, Gabba's then become my uh, roommate. So, um, so I got to know him quite well uh, as a sort of a person. He's quite quiet. I, I got on with him really well. Um, he's, he was sort of one of them. You either loved him or you hated him, I think. And, and I think that's what a lot of people were like. Because they didn't know what to expect from him because he'd, he'd played at a very high level. And you, you've you got like a, was. A, Yeah. Well, except for when he was at the Cobblers. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, was, he was good. No, no, I told, I used to tell him on a regular basis. Um, no, he was, he was great. I mean, I, I mean, I loved him. I loved him. Uh, yeah. He actually played right. Yeah, I, I got moved to right back, and he, he got moved to right midfield. So we sort of, he was brilliant to play behind because I used to just give him the ball, and he'd just yeah. run inside with it. He'd do this yeah. little this little trick and run inside. So I go on the overlap expecting it back and he just ignored me and keep running inside and lose it inside then I'd have to run back 50 yards so I, so I used to tell him on a regular basis what I thought but he was um, he was a, he was a lovely lad um, and this was you know, this was a sort of point this was a sort of point I think uh, the continuity at Cobblers uh, started to go from the in Atkins years so Kevin Wilson gets sacked uh, about yeah. September yeah. 2001 and then yeah. uh, Kevin, Kevin Broadhurst, yeah, who was well, I think he was a youth coach, came comes in, uh, yeah, takes a role. Yeah, well, he was. I mean, I mean, Kevin Broadhurst was a is he, he was a coach at I think he was at Walsall. I was at Birmingham City. He was at one of the he's one of the Birmingham Mafia anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. And he he came and he and he took over the youth team, and um, he left he left the club under a bit of a cloud. Um, but when Kevin Wilson um, departed then they got him back in so um, I think they just wanted somebody who they knew who knew the players as well um, and yeah. again again he came in and that and that I mean he, he sort of saved the season really um, he got things changed around um, he, he moved the team about a little bit um, sort of got it got across to the lads what he wanted, which was again slightly different to what Kevin Wilson uh, was asking, and he actually he actually got some really good. We actually got some really good results, and I think I I think I mentioned to you before after Christmas, I think we were like the fourth form team in the division, and because we, we were rock bottom at one point, and we we ended up staying up, but with some really good results and um, some and some really good performances as well. So it was he actually did really well. Um, 
to that po- uh, to that point to that point at the end of the season. Then that was sort of yeah. where I I sort of drifted off. Just a bit of context: ITV Digital crash was bubbling away at that point, and um, yeah. a lot of clubs were in the in the sturm in terms of their mm. um, in terms of their finances and stuff. And you've ne- I've never really heard you you were up, you know a, a big cult hero at Cobblers, and you I've never really heard you know the what happened when you left the club maybe you maybe you can talk us through it what what happened from your side yeah it was um i like i say i went when kevin broder was coming he um he pulled me he pulled me up into the office for a chat um about a week into i think i played i played a, a way at colchester and um he pulled me in the office i think we were playing middlesbrough away in the um in the league cup and um just said, look, Roy, I want to make you captain. Um, you're the sort of character I want because the lads look up to you to to the point when you're on the pitch. Then I mean, because you give everything, it's it's a good it's a good sort of um, attitude basically to have, and I want I want the lads to see that. Um, so he offered me the captaincy, which I took um, with open arms. I mean, I loved it, um, and. So we had, we had quite a good relationship all the way through. Um, he used to have, get me up probably once a week up into the office, just out with the lads, you know, having the chats and making sure everyone's all right and keeping the heads up. And um, if we thought there was a little issue somewhere, we'd we'd go nip it in the bud. But there, I mean, there wasn't. Uh, so I mean, the relationship between me and Kevin was uh, really good. Um, but he, and then he had us, he had me in. It, running up to the end of the season, um, basically outlining what he wanted for the following season, uh, knowing that my contract was up uh, with uh, quite a few other lads as well, and um, said he look, look, I want to keep, I want to keep yourself, um, and sort of told me his plans, what he'd wanted, and who he wanted to, who he wanted to be at the club. You know, I mean, the, the the sort of the spine of the team. And and hopefully move from there. Um, but with the season finishing, the contract just never came my way um, for whatever reason. Um, I, I was mm. told it was getting sorted out. Um, he was going all to come back. He's coming back in three weeks' time, and he would be in touch and we'd get it sorted. But I never just never received a phone call or anything. So. Um, it was sort of a, it was sort of like a, a bit of a sour ending, really, for myself. Yeah, with, I don't with, think with it's... me sort of like me, me sort of thinking the club itself. I love the club, and yeah, I, I, I breathed it, if you know what I mean. And it's, it was sort of like, yeah, it was one of them. I, I never got a phone call off the manager or the, yeah. any of the directors to say anything. It, they just never got back in touch. And and the next thing I knew, they'd signed. Put, Paul Trollope and he was going to be captain yeah. and that was it and I was like well there you go it's it's no, it's no way to treat any player even like someone who's been in the club for like a year let alone the number yeah. of years you've been in that I think yeah. you're the sort of character that if someone will tell you straight to you know face to face this is it we're bringing someone else in you would have been you are, you'd have been right that's football but you never got even got the call and you know that's that's really no way to do it so I'm sorry that you know you got treated <laughs> like that. Well, well look I, I, I 
I didn't dwell on it. I did, I just moved, I tried to move on. Just tried to move on from it. And yeah. uh, and and you just pick yourself up and go again. Um, and that's what you've yeah. got to do. I mean, everyone's out there. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, with all due respect to Kevin Broadhurst, um, you know, a couple of good years at Cobblers. You had seven years. Went to Wembley twice. You've got you you've got all those brilliant memories, and no, no mm. one can take that away from you anyway. No, so, no, no, uh, definitely, definitely not. No. But you um you. You still played football. You went to Nuneaton and you had a bit of time at Oxford and then, you know, a bit of, you went, you played for Northwich, I think, Hucknall, that's in Nottinghamshire. Did you play for Harrogate as well? Yeah, went to Harrogate. Yeah, I actually did really well. I actually, I actually had some good seasons out in um, in uh, non-league football, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I went, yeah. I, left the, I mean, I left the, obviously left the Cobblers, but um, I went to Oxford with uh, Ian Atkins. He rung me. I missed pre-season, obviously, because he thought, he just naturally, I think naturally thought I was staying at the Cobblers, but when he found out I wasn't, he rung me and said, come over to Oxford. I've got Untie, Andy Woodman, Dave Savage. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there was it was like a little cobbler's reunion, so we um yeah, yeah. so so I went over and and basically did that season up to the end of the season, um, which was good. Went back for pre-season and uh, I I knew in, I knew in myself uh, the pre-season I couldn't train every day. Um, I think my my leg was getting t- uh, my knee was it was just sort of taking its toll on me because uh, I was because I trained as hard as I played and. As soon as you can't do that, or I used to train and I was fine, then the next day I was, I was stiff as a board, and I, you know, yeah, yeah, it was one of them, I, and I couldn't train every day, and I knew it, so I had to sort of make a decision to uh, sort of leave the full time game and go go into obviously well, I was going down into the conference. Um, Nuneaton, Steve Burton, Nuneaton said he was interested. Um, uh, in me when I was at Oxford, and that's why I played a couple of games just to get fit there. But he moved up to uh, Hucknall Town, which was an up and coming, it's I mean up and coming football club. A, a, a good owner who was willing to put uh, his money where his mouth was, and Steve Burr wanted players that he had before and trusted. And it, we, yeah. we actually signed. I went and signed for them, and we uh, won the Conference North. With 60 games to go, and should have gone to conference, but they forgot. They didn't think they'd get anywhere near winning the league, so they didn't apply to go in the conference. So we couldn't go up. So it was a yeah. It was a shame really because I had a, a, a hell of a season there. Really enjoyed my football. It was part time, but I really enjoyed it. I think that's nice to um, you know you obviously had a a good professional career, and just to have in your twilight uh, career, just to have some good years in in non league. Yeah, sort of refine your love for the, the the game again, and um, you you know um, just finish off on a little bit of a high. That's really nice. Yeah, really. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, because I, I had two good seasons at Hucknall. We got to yeah. basically non-league FA Cup final, which was fantastic for that's for amazing. for Hucknall Town. Um, and yeah. they always say that like Cobblers always say like ninety-seven, ninety-eight, the two cup finals, Wembley. Um, yeah. Two. You know, I mean, prestigious years. Hucknall are in the same one where they've won the league, then the cup final the year after, um, and got a lot of good publicity through it. So, what are you up to now then, then Roy? Because obviously you had this brilliant and, and long football career, and what you, you you're working in a different job now, aren't you? Yeah, oh yeah, I work um, I work in logistics um, at Teesport. It's basically I work at the port. It's warehousing. It's uh, 
HGV drivers like shipping, so it's 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 a massive business, but it's uh, it's quite enjoyable. I quite enjoy the the day to day life instead of having the footballing life, which I've you mean which I'll treasure. Um, and now I've got a, a proper job, as you, as you would say, and uh, it's um, I'm I'm quite enjoying it. It's like it's a bit a bit of normality. I would I would call it more than anything else. It's um, you keep an eye on the cobbler's results. I always do, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I always look out for the cobblers. Cobblers is my, from uh, obviously from, it's my number one team. I, I mean, I I know I play for West Brom, but I wouldn't class them as my number one team. It's the team where you have the most uh, affection for and the love for, which was obviously for me it was Northampton Town Football Club. So it's it's the first professional um, sort of result I look for after I've. I basically, I look for a Leeds result or a Middlesbrough result with them being local. Then, obviously, Northampton Town's the one for me. Really, that's um, you mean know, you just want the club to do well, um, especially after the last possibly was it last two or three years where there's been a bit of upheaval. You just want them yeah. to, um, you just want them to get on to get everything sorted out and and move forward. That's really nice to hear. Um... A lot of people listening, you're a, a real favourite of theirs. And like I said earlier, you can we can never take away those brilliant memories of those Wembley years. And a lot of the time you're at the club, there were there were there were good times. And we, especially with football, on a, a break at the moment, we, it's just nice to look back on those really good memories. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's all, I mean, it's always good. It's always good. It's good that you got we've got all these chats, the the chat social medias that um, we can. Um, yeah. We can obviously you can keep up with stuff. You can chat to people. Um, I mean, I can remember when they were going through the difficult time. It looked like they were going to uh, go bust. Um, yeah. A couple of seasons ago, um, yeah. there was a there was a chat like I mean, I got some friends who were on the chat and they're commenting on it and stuff. So I liked it, and I, I, then I was reading it, and I was I was thinking, oh, right. I was like, uh, so I was like making the odd comment of the supporters. And uh, I got talk, talking to a lad on there, and I said, "Oh, they're doing a fundraiser." So I, so I donated my Wembley shirt and just said, "Look, oh, raffle, raffle that off, raffle, raffle that off, and um, and see, and see, obviously where it takes them." Anyway, they had a they had a it's bidding, they had, they had a they had a bidding, they had a bid, uh, obviously bids for it, and I'll be over a seven day period, and I think they raised about eight hundred pound or something like that. And oh, then the next, then the next, the next day the club got bought out. So they're like, <laughs> so yeah, he he uh, messaged me back. He said, Roy, what what do you want to um, what do you want to do with this eight hundred pound? He said, uh, I've sold the shirt now. Um, I've got eight hundred pound here, and the, the club's been bought out, yeah. so they don't need it. I just said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do with you. Put put half of it to the supporters club, and uh, send me. I think it was three hundred and fifty pound or something like that, three hundred and sixty pound, and I'll put it to the yeah. kids' football club here that I do a lot of volunteer work at, and I'll put Aww. it into the kids' system. So, so we sort of yeah. split it and did it that way. Um, so I, I got a couple of nice messages off the lad who bought it, and he's uh, he messaged me every now and again, and with the odd photo when we're at away games or the home games. And uh, when he's got the shirt that's, on, uh, so, that's, so it's that's, um, that's really kind of you. And um, yeah. like like you said, there's a there's a love, uh, especially between the fans and you and you in the football yeah. club. And I think that's a. I'm going to wrap up now, but we've been talking for a while. But 
it's a, a really nice way to wrap up because it just it's just it, uh, it just highlights that you love playing football, you love the football club, and uh, I think the cobblers could always do with more players like you. So you know, thanks for everything you put in, and yeah. you know, the cobblers shirt. Yeah, thanks very much, mate. It's been a it's been a pleasure doing this, and um, hopefully we'll um, we'll be seeing you soon because um, I think Andy Woodman's trying to get all the lads down um, to one of the games when it gets started back up again, just to uh, maybe try and raise a bit of money for the club. Um, if, oh, that's brilliant. If, if, if and when we can, we've got a we've got a WhatsApp group now. There's about 30, 40, 40 of us on from the. 1995 to 98, 99. So we're having a, a good, go, good old catch up with obviously Razor, Samo, Trainee, everyone's on there. Uh, we'll leave I it to Andy Woodman to sort. He's, he's, he's probably that sort of character that can organise that. And I think there's yeah there's talk of a reunion and stuff like that. And that I'm sure most Cobblers fans will be really interested in that. So yeah. thanks for talking to me. Um, I'll speak to you soon. Keep in touch. Yeah, you take care, mate. And um, all, all the best for the rest of the season if and when we get started back up exactly we're all you know we're, we're living in hope now for a bit of football but um, yeah we'll see you soon take care mate alright take care all bye bye. Mate. bye hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy so I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 